Welcome to the Financial Fitness Bunny Podcast, your number one stop shop to all things money management. My name is Nicolette Mashile, I'm also known as the Financial Bunny, and I'm here to put lipstick on the money pig. This week's book that we've read, which we've reread and reread so many times, is called The Millionaire Next Door, right? It is a book written by Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Danko, and they are fantastic in this book. They've got a whole lot of statistics and a whole lot of research that they've done but what I really like this book is I'm just going to take out the simple message that comes from this book because I think a lot of people um, who read this book um, and the criticism that goes into the book is it's a lot of statistics and this kind of lifestyle doesn't work in the everyday you know because this book was written quite a number of years ago but I think that if you just take out the simple message of course it's like when you're reading um those astrology people's uh, uh, threads on Twitter, you know, they'll write there for Virgo placements, Gemini, Sagittarius placements, um, whatever placement you've got, it can be your moon, your sun, your whatever your ascendant. And then they say, take what relates to you, right? Um, and I think for me, that's what I'm doing with this book. I'm taking what relates to me and that becoming a millionaire is possible for every person. Everyone of us can become a millionaire. Now, of course, you can calculate what a millionaire is in your own currency. I know a lot of American people like to take shots at South Africans when we say we're millionaires and they say, Are you a dollar millionaire or are you a rand millionaire? Excuse me. I'm a millionaire where I stay. Why am I trying to become a dollar millionaire when I don't work in dollar denominations? Please don't stress me out, okay? I am a millionaire where I live. Alright. Thanks. Bye. Alright. Anyway, (laughs) I digress. So, So I think it's very, very important to understand that the possibility of becoming a millionaire is possible. Money works on a very, very very easy formula. Money comes in, money goes out. What is left is what you start using to build out your net worth. So that first lesson we always teach you, don't spend all you make. It's a very important lesson. That apple analogy I like to push, a very, very important apple analogy because it tells you it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep. And what you keep is what's going to make you into a millionaire. Then the next question people ask is, it does it have to be in cash for you to be a millionaire? No, as long as your assets, as long as your net worth equals to a million. So you've got to take net worth, no, you got to take assets minus liabilities and whatever you're left with, that's ultimately whether you're a millionaire or not. And this is, you can take your money and tie it up in assets. But as long as those assets are yours and you own them, you can't be an asset millionaire. Yes, does it make you illiquid? Again, it probably does. But at the end of the day, we're talking about portfolios here. We're not talking about you having access to a million rand because anybody, even people who don't have money can have access to a million rand because we live in a world where credit is available and accessible to a lot of people. So the millionaire next door is really about the reality of how people can accumulate extraordinary wealth Ordinary people like you and me can actually accumulate extraordinary wealth. Time comes in to become a factor. There's another criticism that the millionaire next door gets is the fact that why would I want to be a millionaire in my 60s, in my 70s, in my 80s? Let's be fair, people are living much longer than they were in the olden days. So I wouldn't mind being a millionaire and having all of the conveniences, all of the access that I need when I turn 60. I ain't trying at 60 to still be out there lining up from Dende 
no, I don't want to do that at my age. No, please, I am not interested in those things, you know. So basically, the authors, what they did is they conducted studies that found typical millionaires are not flashy consumers. Not flashy consumers. Not like Abo Nicolette. They are driving the most modest car. Oh, by the way, I saw the other day somebody said, um, there's, a, there's a picture of Mark Zuckerberg. And Mark Zuckerberg apparently wears the same t-shirt every day. And they say, yeah, millionaires don't spend money on clothes. They wear the same t-shirt every day. So it takes out, you know, the decision-making thing in the morning. He just puts on the same shirt. I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I don't know about wearing the same shirt every day. Yeah. Okay, like we can be frugal, guys. But, but let's not pretend like we don't have money because that's also a bit random, all right? Considering the fact that also we still need to work against the psychological issue of people attaching your material things to your status, the level of respect that they must give you. Yes, we do need to change that. It's not correct, but it still happens. It's like going into a briefing meeting at a tender doc, a tender briefing and then you arrive in a skotong. Everybody's just like, ay, this one. Can we take them seriously? Or like you go into a procurement meeting and then they, the, the, the supply chain manager is looking at you in your skotong and they're like, this one, this one's going to take our money or funding my, uh, a meeting. They're going to take our money and buy a new car. This one, this one is not about building wealth. This one is about starting from zero. So, so we still have that big culture in a country like South Africa, which is, which is wrong, but we do need to work around it, right? So I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for big material and being flashy and material things. I'm just saying buy the assets that can buy you the luxuries that you want. So basically, in the millionaire next door, it says that these millionaires are not flashy they tend to be business owners who work very hard they save their money and they live a middle class lifestyle like you and me yeah but also it's very important to remember what a middle class lifestyle looks like in America versus a middle class lifestyle in South Africa those are two different lifestyles right so again it is at the end of the day that's why I say there's some messaging in this book that I resonate quite well with which is ultimately we can all become millionaires as long as we put the formula of it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep and where you're keeping it, that ultimately is what's going to save us from spending all of the money. And one of my lovely, lovely questions that I love asking, especially when I'm doing events or seminars, I just say, at the beginning of the year, in January, up until December, how much money went into your bank account? How much of it did you keep? And then you see the room just becomes somber because it's like, oh no, how much did I keep of that money? Was my bank account just a stop shop for, for debit orders to come? <laughs> in actual fact, yesterday I saw a very cool tweet. Somebody was like, these debit orders, they are, they are very close to taking um perfume low age. <laughs> you know, literally solely um, 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 translated as these debit orders are very close to just taking our souls and taking the last breath for us. But the, 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 yeah, a couple of messages also in the book that um, were a recurring theme. One, um, you need to become good with income for you to become wealthy. You need a good income. And a good income means that you have a disposable income. So after you've managed to use your money in your budget, living expenses, paying off debt, paying insurances, saving, investing, there must be a good income so that you can increase your investments. you got to remain frugal. But guys, remaining frugal doesn't mean you must still eat processed cheese. Come on. Come on, eat real cheese. You know what I mean? There's no point in, in, in taking yourself through all or because you're trying to be remain to remain frugal. It just means don't buy unnecessary things that you don't need. Avoid the status trap. This is a big one. This is a huge one. A lot of us love to display our wealth. We want to wear our wealth, we want to drive our wealth, we want to live in our wealth. Manage it nicely. Have a have a good balance. An expensive car must have more than 
just looking flashy? Is it a safe car? Is it because you drive far and you want to be in a good car? Those are the things that you've got to consider. It's important also to acquire assets. Millionaires grow well faster outside of their income. Self-employment is another big thing. I always say you need to strike a good mix. Corporate world, absolutely important. It's important to, to your work ethic. It's important to networking. It's important to really understanding where money comes from, that money needs to be worked for. And you want to throw in some self-employment there? Absolutely do it. Absolutely do it because the limit is, there's no limit when you are in self-employment, you know? And breed independent children. Make sure that your kids don't become those people that will shackle down your pillars that are holding your wealth, your generational wealth that you have built. So that's the book that I wanted to to, to share with you this week. I absolutely loved it. Um, but as I said, I don't resonate with all of the messages in the book, but there are some that I absolutely resonate with. But in today's episode of Yes, Money Does Matter, I want to speak a little bit about the emergency fund. What I found a lot during the COVID hard lockdown was that many people didn't have emergency funds. What is an emergency funds? You know that the Reserve Bank actually keeps gold bars at the Reserve Bank, right? They keep gold bars because those are the reserves that are backing up our currency. So even you in your life, you need to have something that is backing up your income. You've got to have those reserves somewhere. Because let's be fair, not every loss in your life can have a product attached to it. So yes, when it comes to insurance policies, comes to insurance products, we've got the likes of car insurance to back you up if there is a car accident or car theft or hijacking. You've got life insurance to back up your entire life if something happens to you and you're leaving financial dependence behind. Temporary disability cover. If something happens to you and you can no longer derive an income because you're temporarily disabled to be able to do work that helps you derive an income, there is a, an insurance policy that steps in. Cell phone insurance. If your screen cracks, if your phone falls into water. But there are certain instances in your life where there may not be an insurance policy to be able to respond to those financial losses, potential losses. Then you need to be able to step back into your reserves so that you don't disturb your income flow. Because what happens with a lot of us, where our finances go, <clears throat> every time I teach people some effects, I was doing a financial coaching session this morning and a young lady has a credit balance of over 90,000 rand. No! And I said, how did you get here? What happened? And she explained, noble. The reason why she got a credit card was very noble. Wanted to get a credit card because I needed to build my credit report or credit profile rather. But something comes up, an emergency happens and then she's tapping into the credit card. Emergency happens, one day you wake up and you've got an outstanding balance of 90,000 rand on your your credit card. That's because when those little things happened, you didn't have the reserves to tap into. So the credit card became the emergency fund. So it's very important to understand that you don't want to find yourself when your income is disturbed or there's an interruption in your income, you are then using credit facilities as your emergency funds. That's why you have to keep savings. So yes, we always talk about your savings need to have a KPI attached to them. You must have goals. But one of your goals should be that I do not want to find myself resorting to credit facilities the day my income is interrupted. And that is why I have a certain amount of money allocated to savings. The benchmark is to have 
three to six months if you are in a employment setting and you've got a salary security and then six to 12 months if you are self-employed or in your business setting because if something happens to the business and the business has a cash flow issue or business continuity issue then you've got reserves to tap into for instance for me in the business that i'm in I know January is a terrible month because brands are still coming back. Some of them come back uh, mid-month. So we might not have work, but salaries still need to be paid. Retainers still need to be paid for graphic designers. The guys who do help us with creating content, whether it's shooting, whether it's recording podcasts, they still need to be paid. Salaries need to be paid. Rental space needs to be paid. So I need to have reserves. So throughout the year, every month, I'm putting away a certain amount of money so I can cover the business in January. So between January and December, I know those two months sometimes are very hard, you know? So you've got to make sure that you've got projections of knowing what the pattern of your financial life looks like. So for a lot of people who are salaried, it's very difficult to make this because they think, oh no, but my salary will come every month. My salary will come every month. Then boom, you get a COVID hard lockdown. There might be another pandemic that may put us in a hard lockdown. Right now, load shedding is putting a lot of our small businesses into a slow economic space. Where are your emergency reserves? Very important to think about these things in that manner so that you can put away that money. But where do you put it? That's the other next question that I get asked a lot is, where do I save my emergency funds? Well, look, you've got to determine how much you need and you are comfortable saving up to because also you don't want to save 120,000 rand when you only need 90 and then you put it in an account that doesn't really have a high interest yield on it. Now your money is sitting there and inflation is eating at its value. So it's important again to make sure that the account where you're putting your money is an interest bearing account. It's an accessible account because what you don't want to do is what Nicolette does. Nicolette has her money in a 32-day account. An emergency happens. Nicolette needs to withdraw that money immediately. But the problem is the bank is going to penalize her because it's supposed to be money that's only accessible after 32 days. So now you're losing. Hey. So just by that indication is that there needs to be a level of accessibility. But it also mustn't be like accessibility like now because there's no emergency that needs you to respond now right unless it's like somebody broke their hip and if that's the case then you can use your credit card but then you know that within 24 hours of when your money comes out you're able to pay back the credit card remember if you pay your credit card in the same billing cycle and you settle the balance they don't charge you an interest on it so very very important to think about these things and work them around in your head to say okay it works this way if i do it this way so one interest-bearing account or at least let it beat inflation two make sure that it's an account that is accessible to you three make sure it's not an account that you are that you are seeing every single day because let me tell you human nature human behavior is that when there is money i'm going to create situations that are going to need that money i see a lot of people what they do in their budgeting is that they'll put away five thousand rand every single month and say to most my emergencies mid-month week number three Bailanda, fetching my money, it's my money after all. This is an emergency. No, 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 Olivia Pope. It is not an emergency, relax. That's why you've got to separate where you're putting your emergency funds. Because if you put them in the same transactional account system or ecosystem, you are going to fetch your money, I promise you. A friend's 30th is going to become an emergency. 
oh, I need this, it's going to become an emergency. Oh, I'm starting the gym and, you know, if I start the gym, I'm going to feel better. You know, um, I'm, I'm dopamine is going to get pumped and I'm going to be less stressed. So this is an emergency. I should be able to go fetch that 5,000 rand to buy gym clothes. No, that's not an emergency. In fact, I suggest you write a little black book of emergencies, things that you are willing to actually attribute an emergency status to those things. But again, don't go overboard in putting money away into this emergency fund that you end up actually losing in terms of the return that you could potentially be getting if you had invested a certain amount of those funds. I use what is called the Frank app. Now on the Frank app, it's F-R-A-N-C. On the Frank app, what they've got is they've got two funds. They've got the Alan Gray Money Market and they've got the Satres ETF, the top 40. So when you go onto the app, it allows you to be able to split your contributions based on your appetite, your risk appetite. But you can switch those things around based on what's happening in your life. So I started off with a 50-50 split. I put in a 3,000 every single month. 1.5 goes into the money market account. 1.5 goes into the stock um, equity account or equity fund, which is the Satrix Top 40, right? Then when I realized, no, I need to amp up on my emergencies because I know we're getting closer to those months where things are going to be dry, I then just switch again. I make it a 80-20. So 80% will go into my money market account and 20% will go into my Satrix Top 40. And that's how I, I actually am able to separate one, put in a money into an account where it's accessible, but also into, into funds where I know it's going to actually vest in terms of actually getting back some sort of return. The day and the month where I reach my emergency goal in the money market account, I just switch on the, the, the shift again. Then I make it 90% into the stock portfolio or into the stock um, 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 uh, equity fund. And then 10% goes into the money market. The day I need to withdraw from the money market, I do my switch again in terms of my split. Then it's 90% into money market until I reach the goal. And then I say 10% into the uh, 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 equity fund. So these are some of the things that you've got to think about in terms of how do I set up my emergency fund so that it speaks to me. I know there are people that say they keep their emergency funds in a TFSA. I would not recommend that. And simply because of how the TFSA has been set up. Now, this is not financial advice. I just want you to think about it. The TFSA, for instance, one, it has a limit of 36,000 every single year. So annually, you can only save 36,000 rand. What if your emergency fund is 100,000? Two, you cannot replace what you have withdrawn. So let's say you get to month August and you need an entire 36,000. That means that for the rest of the year, you cannot put away any money into the same TFSA to use. Because one, you can't replace that 36,000. So you've got to wait for the next financial year to restart again. And remember, you've got a lifetime limit of 500,000 Rand. So if you have reached 500,000 Rand and you are, I mean, on, on, a, on a mathematical scale, you should be reaching that 500,000 rand limit in what? At 36,000 a year, probably in 13 years. But now you're going to reach it quickly because you keep withdrawing and you're doing weird, well, you're not going to reach it quickly. But the fact is by the time you reach it, you may not have money in that TFSA and it just really makes the whole purpose of a TFSA obsolete. Remember, it's about saving money that you can withdraw tax-free and you've got to give it a chance for that money to actually gain momentum and gain some interest and Redive, uh, reinvest any returns that you're getting, any types of yield you're getting. You want to reinvest it in there. Other people say, but what if I used a fixed deposit account? 
No, but you can't use a fixed deposit account because in a fixed deposit account, you can't withdraw that money without penalties. Some of them, they just simply say you can't withdraw that money in the fixed period, whether it's three years or five years. Some of the fixed accounts also, you can't make additional contributions. So again, it's about assessing the place where you want to put your money and then deciding. I used to use um, um, a, money, a money maximizer account from FNB, but it had a limit of 100,000 rand to open the account. I know Investec is a couple of those. But again, you need to then reach that first that, that, that 100,000 rand limit to even just be able to open that account so that you can use it. Great returns on it, but very difficult for the ordinary person to be able to save up 100,000 rand and then go there. So you could use other platforms and say, actually, you know what? I'm going to start with a 32-day account, which is offered. I know Standard Bank offers one. I know FNB offers one. You know, you save your money there, reach the 100,000 rand. Then you go to these ones that need 100,000 rand for you to be able to open. But that's if you need 100,000 rand in your money market account. There's no in, in your money maximize, in your emergency fund. There's no need to push yourself to those types of limits if you don't have to. If you are... If you're living a, a, a life that doesn't require a lot of live, because ultimately, the part of your life that is going to need this DIY insurance policy, which is made up of your emergency fund, is is usually your living expenses, your black tax. Those are the things that you know you don't have an insurance policy, and perhaps maybe the actuaries out there, the smart product developers out there, can you guys develop an insurance policy for black tax? I know, I know it's a big variable. The probabilities are very wide. But guys, I trust you. You guys are some of the best minds in the world. Let's come together and find a product that can speak to this specific area of people's lives. Because it's a huge area. But ultimately, those are the spaces in your life. And if you don't have those big needs or those probability of those type of situations happening in your life are very much zero to none. Then, then you don't need a big emergency fund. Then you don't need these extraordinary investments or, or funds where to put your money. But ultimately, you do need to be able to do that. Also, the another way of really creating a great, and I, and I, I, I would suggest this for small businesses, is to also use credit facilities as you emerge. I know in the earlier, when I started this podcast, I said you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you are tapping into credit. But if the credit is pre-planned, so your credit facility is pre-planned. For instance, you've got an overdraft that is pre-planned. You've negotiated good interest rates on it. And something does happen in your business where you need more than what you've saved. Then you can tap into a pre-planned credit facility that you know you are able to pay back without huge interest rates that you're being charged. The problem is a lot of individual people. What we do is we only get ourselves in a situation where we need the credit facility when we're in a desperate situation. And now we don't have the power to negotiate for good terms and conditions like credit um, um, interest rates or like the loan term. So that's where, or even the amount that you need, you may not even be able to access the amount that you need. But that's why where credit now becomes an enemy in terms of using it as an emergency fund. So it's important to think about these things. I'm going to leave it here for today. Do remember none of our podcasts constitute as any type of financial advice. If you are looking for financial advice, please speak to somebody who is certified and registered with the FSCA. That's it for today's episode of Yes, Money Does Matter. I will see you guys on the next one.